The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Footballers DFS podcast with your hosts Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all. It's playoff time here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. I'm your host Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. It's time to put on your big boy pants, Betts. This is it, man. This is what we play for. The postseason, the playoffs. Um, What a slate. You know, these games are going to be super fun. I'm kind of bummed that there's two that have just a massive spread that I think are going to be disappointing, not only from a DFS standpoint, but from a NFL fan standpoint. But my blood pressure will be low this weekend. No Eagles game. We're sitting pretty with the bye, so I'm excited. And we just got news through the wire that your Falcons will be hosting a playoff game in the, uh, the AFC Championship. So that's big news for you. Yeah, we need both of those teams to get there in the event that it's, it's Chiefs and Bills. But yeah, Mercedes Benz going to be rocking. You know, that 100 yard bar. You know, you don't just walk into Mercedes Benz Stadium and do the Dirty Bird without paying your, your dues. And yeah, the Falcons are nowhere to be around. They're just chilling. <laughs> just chilling. They're there as fans. It is a great stadium. I, I won't lie. They've, they did a good job. We have the Georgia Dome, that's Mercedes Benz. This week. We will be breaking down the main slate for the Wild Card Weekend. It's called Super Wild Card Weekend in a lot of places. Uh, do you like that term, Super Wild Card? It does kind of feel like it's more than just the Wild Card because normally, you know, we're used to like just the Sunday slate, but it's like, all right, sweet. We got two games Saturday, three Sunday. We even got Monday Night Football again. So I kind of like it. Super Wild Card. Yeah, they they had a big, extensive meeting, like a brainstorming session with all the creatives. Uh, around the NFL. Whiteboards said, involved. Yeah, and this is what they came up with. Super wild card weekend. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the cash plays we like. We'll break down each of the games on this slate. So like Beth said, we have a, a lot going for us, six games. 
We'll prop it like it's hot, and then at the very end of this episode, we'll have a special little section of our end-of-season awards where we kind of walk through DFS-wise our good calls, bad calls, um, you know, where Betts was clearly wrong about certain players, where he technically was right about some players, but I'll still say that he was wrong about Amon Ra in some ways. <laughs> That's the only way that you can really start a summer of best ball and end the regular season is is by trying to be right about a player you were wrong about for the last five months. So that's fun. Was he good? Yes. Was he helpful? Yes. Was he a bust in the playoffs? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when I looked at his season and I, and people, hopefully you understand that I think Amon Ra is good at the game, uh, tied for the most receptions ever th- for the first two years of a player with Michael Thomas. So he's good. Uh, he also just needs context because He's a PPR weapon, and if you take that out of the equation, I just think there's a lot of things that I just love poking holes. I love doing this, by the way. I love just this this ongoing thing with him. Well, we're going to talk about another PPR wide receiver on today's show, my friend, that um, you apparently have no issues with. So we'll uh, we'll get to that here in a bit. And we announced this earlier this week. They announced it on the main show, and I, I we haven't had a chance to address it yet. But the DFS pass is now free. We've joked about it for months. We said eventually they're just going to take this thing out. So how did you feel when the news broke that, hey, Andy, Mike, and Jason said, hey, we're just going to give this thing away for free? You know, a little hurt. I'm not going to lie. A little hurt, a little shocked, um, and still just scratching my head at what is happening currently with the state of the DFS product. But yeah, the authorities, you know, the, uh, the authorities have been alerted that this is possibly stealing slash is stealing from the company. But uh, it is it's unreal value. I mean, we've been joking about it. That's free for the last six months. Now it's free, free, like actually free. So Full yeah, free. go sign up, check us out, go free. And um, yeah, go see what it's all about. And if you like it, we'll be back next year. And if it's not for you, no worries. But there's no no strings attached. So sign up for it and check it out. Yeah, you can play with us all throughout the playoffs. We get to talk about our FanDuel or DraftKings picks. We have a roster percentage report, which we think is super helpful. And, uh, you know, a labor of love for you and I it, for me, it's my pace of play article where I walk through each game, talk about how each team prefers to play in neutral situations, talk about game flows, talk about stacks. And then also in the DFS pass, you get Betts's, you know, he gets full player props. Him and I usually go back and forth about different props. And then eventually we get to notify people. You also get access for the playoffs, if you want this, to our premium Discord channel with DFS. That's where you get alerted. Hey, we have a prop that we want you to hit with us. So, we think it's a great time, DFSPass.com. And the last thing I'll say is I saw that you alerted the FBI on Twitter about this. <laughs> I did, and I haven't heard back. Apparently, they have more important things to worry about. <laughs> I wonder how many times they've gotten alerted from just <laughs> fantasy football people because it is a great fantasy football joke um, it to, is. to alert the FBI of, hey, this, this player, like Deontay Johnson. The FBI should be alerted that this man did not see a single receiving touchdown all year long. And are there people there at the FBI that see this come across uh, their desk and go, this is just stupid. Fantasy football people are stupid. Why? <laughs> Whoever manages their, their social account, I, I feel terrible for you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. That is wild. There is one person. I mean, there's, there's a team. But there is there is somebody <laughs> that works. One, one person. <laughs> there is one man. <laughs> There's somebody in charge of the FBI's social media account. Like, do you think that that person 
like somehow was like originally like a like a really good agent uh like they were like top of their class quantico wherever the, wherever those people are and then they just got demoted to social media for the fbi but the thing is they probably can't tell anyone about their job because it's it's part of what you do if you're in the fbi so that's <laughs> it's interesting to think about you think at dinner they just have to like say like oh i work in like social media yeah that's all i gotta say or i yeah. work in uh advanced analytics yeah that's what well, i say what a crazy job that but also our jobs are pretty wild too that we get to tell people i always cringe a little bit when people ask me I'm like oh, i work for in sports media i work for <laughs> i i work for the largest football pro- podcast in the world like i don't i don't know how to actually say it i, I predictive usually predictive analytics with, is, is that what you, you say kyle is and that what people you go when they hear that that's that's my wedding response like if I don't know people at the wedding, like if it's not like my best friend from high school or you know college or whatever, if I'm there as a guest and I'm kind of like a distant guest, you're sitting at the table, you don't know everyone around you. That's what I go with predictive analytics because it's it sounds smart enough that people will just say like, oh, you're cool. That sounds great. And they won't actually ask you about it because they don't want to sound stupid. It's the perfect blend of you're not really lying, but it's a, it's a good way to get off the topic. I usually just tell people I work for Brooks and I'm a deucer and they get it. They, they, they know Brooks. People, people know Brooks. He's a mover and shaker. Um, oh, yeah. Big time. All right. Our cash picks. I think the best way to look at this for wild card, we have six games, is just here are some players that are showing up in our points per dollar projections in the DFS pass as, hey, when you combine the salary, combine what we think uh, based on the matchup and their projection, they're a really good value. So we're not saying these are the only plays. We're not saying these are the best plays. But we're saying position by position, these are the guys that stand out and will probably be a little bit chalkier. You know, with six games, we still have enough teams to work with. We also have a slate where these are good teams, right? These teams are in the playoffs. There's good players for a reason. When we get to wide receiver, man, like there are so many different routes you can go at the very top of the talented wide receivers. But let's start at quarterback. In cash, I'm only considering two options this week. Uh, it's either Josh Allen or your boy Danny Dimes. So do you have a certain lean early in the week? Yeah, I'm with you that those are my two favorites, especially because when you think about the slate, you know, it's it's six games and, um, you know, hashtag math, that means 12 teams. But when you consider that two of those starting quarterbacks are Skylar Thompson and Tyler Huntley, it immediately drops down to even less. And then you think about floor ceiling combination at price points. And you think about what really separates in fantasy for quarterbacks, it's the ability to run. And when you look at the slate, you've got Josh Allen and Daniel Jones on the slate, two guys that we know can get it done, not only with their legs, but also through the air in really, really good matchups. Miami's been destroyed by rushing quarterbacks, giving up the second most rushing yards, and they obviously have the highest team total on the slate for a reason at home. And then you consider Daniel Jones had one of his best games for fantasy this year, just a few weeks ago against Minnesota. They've been a pass funnel all year. So I love both. My early lean right now is to actually drop down to Daniel Jones, just because there's so many awesome plays at running back and wide receiver that I want to try to fit into my lineup that if you're paying up for Josh Allen, again, it's not wrong to do. It's just harder to make the rest of it fit. So my early lean is Daniel Jones, but I haven't really come to a full, uh, a final conclusion. Where do you stand on those two? I'm in the same boat. I actually like Daniel Jones. Uh, which is a crazy statement to say. Finish the year, 700-plus rushing yards, seven touchdowns. He's one of 12 quarterbacks to ever do that in a season. Granted, he had an extra game, but the rushing floor feels safe. We also will talk about that matchup in a second. We saw this game a couple of weeks ago, and you actually kind of get 
a couple of games this week where it's like, okay, we've seen these two teams play recently, so we have at least some map. We have something to look at. So I like Daniel Jones. You just save a lot there. Um, on FanDuel, Josh Allen's in my lineup at 9.2, just the way that they price things. And I just wanted to point out Tom Brady at 6.8. I think he'll be an interesting GPP option, but that price is super low. And I think that game in general, I don't know, you're lean, but do you feel like that game is going to have a lower roster percentage just because it's all the way on Monday? I think it's definitely possible. I was actually, just before we started recording, putting together the roster percentage report, which will be out by your listening to this. It's out uh, on Friday around noon Eastern. So you could already have it up on the site for you to check out. But I was looking and kind of seeing like, yeah, it does look like that. Chris Goblin's going to catch some steam uh, just on DraftKings full PPR. His, his skill set is perfect for it. But there's some guys that are definitely kind of falling through the cracks in that matchup. And, you know, the running backs aren't getting played. So I do think there is a chance for that game to be a, a good contrarian game stack. And we'll talk about that. But yes, I agree that that one, I think, relative to the other games, I mean, no one's playing like the Ravens or the Dolphins. So it's kind of relatively speaking. But compared to the other games, that one is definitely falling through the cracks a little bit. At running back this week, it's hard to not like CMC at 8.9 on, on DraftKings, 9.8 on FanDuel, just getting a ton of work and... If you start to look and take out, okay, when he's playing full games, you're getting someone who's averaging, since he's been a 49er, 22 opportunities, 118 total yards, and a touchdown per game. If I told you you're getting 118 total yards and a touchdown bets, is he in your cash lineup? If you were going to guarantee me that, I think I would probably go for it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they're home favorites by, depending on what book you're looking at, it's nine, nine and a half, ten. It's kind of bouncing around, but they're huge favorites at home for a reason. And we'll talk about that as well. But there is some weather in that game. So I could see a very specific game plan where Kyle Shanahan just says, let's run all over these guys. And you can run on Seattle. And we saw them do that last time they played. So, yeah, I think Christian McCaffrey is in a great spot here. Um, Again, it's just a matter of how do you want to build? Because there's so many awesome plays. Like you drop down on DraftKings to 7.9 and you can get Saquon, who I think straight up, if they're the same price, I'd play CMC every time. But Saquon's in also a great spot and he is getting so much work through the air, too, that his skill set fits DraftKings perfectly. So those two, to me, are the top plays you're paying up for a reason. But I think if I it was forced to choose based off salary, I'd drop down to Saquon. That said, if someone wants to pay for McCaffrey, I'm not going to argue at all. Dalvin's in a good spot. I don't know if I was, he's somebody that I feel super confident because the floor has been pretty low recently. But at 7K against the Giants, he's in a good spot. I think from a points-per-dollar perspective, Travis Etienne projects really well. The Chargers are a run funnel. The weirdest part about him is that I'm not getting targets like I was told I was going to get. I was told that this was an elite pass catcher, and I think he's still good at it. They just haven't used him in that way. So I wish I knew with Travis Etienne that I was getting, I don't know, three targets a game. But I looked this up. His target share actually fell after James Robinson came to town. So I just don't understand his usage. But at home, great matchup, great tag. Like Travis Etienne is just a just a great overall play this week. Yeah, I'm looking at his game logs. I mean, his last four, it's it's been two, three, three, and three targets. So he kind of is giving you a little bit, but like his chances of giving you, you know, the McCaffrey like six catches for seventy yards is not in the range of outcomes, right? So that's the that's the issue. The nice thing is you're not paying for it. And I think some of the efficiency concerns. Uh, you know, as far as the volume through the air, the efficiency will be 
elevated in the running game, I think, to help mask it a little bit in this matchup. We know the Chargers are just one of the worst run defenses in the league. That, especially on FanDuel at 7,100, where receiving volume doesn't matter as much because it's not full PPR, Travis Etienne looks like a standout player to me over there. 7.1. I love him on DraftKings as well, but just, you know, that price, the skill set that he has in this role makes a lot of sense. Last running back I'll mention here as a salary standout, Leonard Fournette. 5.3. I know that you are playoff Lenny through and through. He's always been your boy. That's my dude. My dude, playoff Lenny. Uh, That price tag, though. 5.3 at home. I think it's getting to the point where, you know, Dallas is slightly favored, but if you told me that it was just a pick I wouldn't be surprised at all, just the way the line's moving. Um, it'll probably end up being Dallas minus two, I think is where it's probably going to end up. But I think Fournette's a great play at that price point. I like him on DraftKings because of the fact that I think he's an interesting player to target for his receiving volume, not really for rushing. I'm like, yeah, he might get some goal line touches, and obviously that matters. But the way that you beat Dallas right now is through the air. I was actually looking at um, some of the Tom Brady props. His attempts line right now is 42 and a half, and I still was like, I don't want to take the under. Like, you could see him come out and just saying, we're throwing 45 times in this game. We know how much he targets the running back. And kind of what's interesting about playoff Lenny, aka Lombardi Lenny, is that Last week in week 18, when they played some of their starters, he sat. You know, th- he's the key, I think, to this postseason. They trust him. Tom Brady trusts him. I think we could see Rashad White get phased out a little bit more than what we've seen in the regular season. Just a hunch that I have. And so, yeah, I think as a tournament play, especially when you consider it's on Monday Night Football and you can use him in your flex as a late swap option, I think playoff Lenny is really interesting on the slate. At wide receiver, I mentioned earlier, like, I think five guys at the top are like, okay, that's an alpha. And then you start going a little further. You're like, okay, I could see somebody else end up as the wide receiver one. Like DK Metcalf can finish as the wide receiver one on a slate. We've seen Debo Samuel, if he's back, he can finish as the wide receiver one. Now there's weather in that game. Mike Evans, we saw him a couple weeks ago, like completely obliterate uh, the Panthers. So lots of wide receivers. Let's talk about the ones that we like based on their salary. And Stephon Diggs is the wide receiver five. Like he's behind CeeDee Lamb in terms of pricing. That stood out to me at 7.6 in a game environment we love, and he's destroyed the Dolphins. Josh Allen's destroyed the Dolphins, by the way, in his career. So I love his price point. Justin Jefferson on FanDuel is only 9K. I will be playing him there. So those are the two top two on the site that I'm like, I, those are the studs I want to play. For sure, and, and I'm with you. I mean, I, Jamar Chase, I'm not going to poke any holes in, in him. You know, he's obviously been incredible. He just had a great game against the Ravens last week. So he's a guy that's kind of right in that tier that could get overlooked a little bit. When I say overlooked because it's six-game slate, none of these guys are going to come in at, you know, 8%. Like, Jamar Chase might come in around 10, 12, 15. And on this sort of slate, that's a really good GPP play. But I think we're talking about optimal plays. I'd rather play Diggs. I'd rather play... Justin Jefferson, not because we don't trust Joe Burrow in the offense to get it done. I think the Bengals win this game easily. It's just that I could really see Baltimore saying our only chance to actually win this game is to play defense, play slow, bleed the clock, try to win like, you know, 14 to 13 or something like that and keep it super low scoring. And when you look at these other games, we know the Bills are going to throw the football and that dome game is the only dome game on the slate. The Giants and the Vikings sets up really well. So I agree. Those are my top two plays. And I was actually watching, um, this is, this is how dialed in I am, Kyle. You know, normally we grind the tape before we start recording. I was watching, uh, Wink, Wink Martindale in his presser this morning because I saw someone comment on it from a fantasy perspective. I was like, oh, I'll check it out. 
he was talking about how they're going to do what they do and they're going to be aggressive and they're going to blitz and keep doing that. If you keep blitzing Kirk Cousins, he knows to throw the football to Justin Jefferson. That's his first read all the time. And when they blitz, that leaves a lot of man coverage. I think Justin Jefferson is a priority play. GPPs, cash games for obvious reasons. So I just wanted to point that out there that I am extremely bullish on him in this game. But since we're here talking about wide receivers, how could we not talk about Keenan Allen at 7K? Now he's pretty expensive on FanDuel at 8.4 where I was like, okay, I don't love that price tag. But my boy Keenan Allen is just on fire. What if I told you <clears throat> that he has more top 24 weeks this year than Amon Ra? And the dude was out until week 10. I mean, he's just better. <laughs> <laughs> you are you're just the worst. <laughs> That's what you are. Well, cuz but go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say like I can't I can't find Amon Ra on the slate. Like I'm looking okay. for him. He's not even okay, here. Okay, buddy. They deserve to be in the playoffs, by the way, over the Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to get destroyed. And the Ravens. I mean, there are Ravens. I love them. But the, I think the Lions would have been a more interesting and entertaining matchup this weekend. That said, Keenan Allen, we normally on our doc highlight talking points that we really want to make sure we hit on for you guys in yellow. Keenan Allen is highlighted in green. Whoa. Green means go. Green means money this week for Keenan Allen. I love him. Uh, we will be talking about him later on this segment uh, today on the show. We'll preview that game. And we'll be talking about him uh, a little later when we have a sponsor. I'm a little little jealous that he's yours, but I think I am right in step with you, as always, with Keenan Allen. So at 7K, it's a great tag. Cheaper options in cash. Zay Jones at 4.3. Richie James at 3.9. The game this week is going to be, can you pick the correct Giants wide receiver? Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James Jr., all within about $400 of each other. So that's going to be an interesting game because one of those guys against the Minnesota Vikings is going to have a good game. James is the cheapest and probably the best PPR option, but I wouldn't fault you've played any of those guys in cash. Yeah, my lean is to play Richie James just because, you know, slot wide receivers have destroyed Minnesota all season. The same happened when they played uh, just a few weeks ago. I think he went like eight for 90 or something along those lines. And you know, it, on DraftKings, that matters so much. Now, on FanDuel, I think Richie James is an interesting fade just because you need touchdowns to actually compete in a tournament. And so I would say I'm just going to hope maybe on FanDuel he doesn't catch a touchdown and I'll play more of their red zone threats, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton over there. But on DraftKings for cash, I think Richie James at 3.9 is a really good salary saving option this week. Yeah, Darius Slayton's actually the one that's cheaper on FanDuel. He's 5.8. So I think he's a, he's a solid play if you want to go that route instead of Richie James on FanDuel. Uh, let's finish with tight end defense. Oh man, I want to play Mark Andrews at 5.2. If you were getting a wide receiver that has his type of target share, you'd be like, sweet 5.2, lock him in and cash. It's a tight end. So I know this is completely dependent on who the quarterback is for Baltimore. So I'll ask you this bets. If you knew that Anthony Brown was the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, are you playing Mark Andrews? No. But didn't he just go nine for a hundred with him? Uh, no, that would be <laughs> that would be Isaiah Likely who did that last week. I, it's so hard because there are options that you can go to at tight end this week. But I, my favorite is Mark Andrews right here, or to punt with Kate Otten at two point eight. I'm gonna have to save somewhere, and I think Otten is one of those players that you can bank on. He's gonna be on the field. 
ran the fifth most routes among all tight ends and the second most rookie tight ends uh, routes run. That was hard to say over the last decade behind only Kyle Pitts. So he's on the field. He's doing his thing. That's all you can ask for. And at 2.8, like I just like that price tag. Yeah, I think it's fine as a, a pun option for cash. And the, the thing is, like, it's it's tough to find a good pun option on a normal 12-game slate. We're talking about six games, right? So, like, <laughs> your options, there's six tight ends you can basically play. And it's tough to find ones that actually project very well at that price point. So I think he makes sense if that is your route, how you want to build. That said, like, when you just look at uh, the numbers and projections and players, you're going to see Mark Andrews. You're going to say, how can I not play this? Or you're going to see TJ Hawkinson and say, how can I not play this? But again, you can't jam in you know josh allen and uh, saquon and dalvin and cmc and you know you have to sacrifice somewhere so like if i'm gonna sacrifice i almost always do it at tight end so i'm with you i think my lean is to drop down to Otten. i also think hayden hurst is totally fine at 3.1 they're kind of the same boring type of player that you're hoping for what three for 35 three for 40 maybe like that's that's what you're talking about but if it lets you spend up elsewhere it's fine in cash. I think those guys are thin GPP plays, but in cash, it makes sense. All right, so we'll talk about Andrews later on when we preview that game because, I mean, what do you know right now from Andrews' standpoint about, I know that Lamar wasn't on the field, Huntley wasn't on the field Wednesday. Is I mean, what are we going to get? I think there's a good chance Huntley does play. He's actually been dealing with the shoulder issue for the last like month or so. He's been on the injury report, and they've just limited his throwing in the last couple of weeks. But I think based off what they saw last week with Anthony Brown, they'll take Tyler Huntley at 80% over Brown. And I think he does play. Um, There's no way Lamar Jackson's playing in this game. And so I really am having a tough time buying into a team that barely has a team total North of a team led by Skylar Thompson. Like that's what the market is telling us about the Ravens. You know, I'm I'm not going to be playing him. I don't think much now in tournaments. I think he's an interesting play, but I think he's an interesting fade largely on the slate just because the team systemically I think could be terrible at defense I have a pretty short list right here on DraftKings I'm playing the Bills 3.3 at home the largest wild card favorite of all time okay so you know it was at 13 at one point so they're 3.3 and then on FanDuel we like the 49ers a lot also at home huge double digit favorite uh 4.7 against Seattle yeah We'll, we'll talk more about how to get different, different with defenses. Uh, there's a couple options that I think, I think can get there and you need to do that. But those are the two obvious for cash. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. The NBA playoffs are here and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
All right, before we preview these games, what would you say is a is kind of an overarching idea or strategy that people need to take about Wild Card Weekend? Because on Saturday we have two games, Sunday we have three games, and on Monday we have one more. So it's a six-game slate. How do we approach this differently than maybe what people are used to? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, like on the Thanksgiving slates where it's like three games, you know. The smaller the slate, the harder it is to find good contrarian plays that project well. So you're going to see these roster percentages condense around the best plays. So, you know, when you're setting your rules, like if you're using an optimizer, or you're trying to hand build and use cumulative roster percentage. Like sometimes I set a cap for 120, 125, you know, around that mark. On this slate, I might be willing to go up to like 140, 145 and really try to just make sure I'm not playing too thin. The other thing to consider is that we want to make sure we're not setting too many rules. Like if you're playing the two game slate on Saturday or the, or the three game slate on Sunday and not including you know, Monday night or or the Saturday versus Sunday slate. If you're playing the other one, you know you can't play a good lineup and like only have you know a stack with a double stack and a bring back and not play anyone against your defense. You just run out of room too quick. So you have to kind of throw those rules out the window a little bit more on those slates. But if you're playing the six game slate, I cannot emphasize enough if for a tournament player how important this slate is for late swap because what you have at your hands going from Saturday to Saturday night to Sunday to Sunday night is information that the field does not have, or they do have, but not willing to act on it. And so ways that you can kind of think about this is using the roster percentage report, which we will update on Saturday morning to look at where are some areas in the later games that I can swap off of chalk onto lower roster plays. We talked about that Dallas Tampa game going a little bit overlooked. And so I can't emphasize that enough. I'm going to be trying to prioritize my builds to fit that this week. Just want to point that out again for one more time for people. The way you do that is use the roster percentage report, find those lower roster plays. If you're behind, swap onto them to get yourself, you know, hopefully a chance to make up some ground in those later games. And that's free in the DFS pass. If you get, if you register for that, you get that uh, roster percentage report will be updated throughout the weekend, which is kind of unique. You know, normally we don't get this piece of information ahead of time. Uh, so just to follow up, these are a couple questions from our discord. This one's from mullet over for a cash build, knowing that there's a full six game slate. Are you going more with stars and scrubs or more balanced lineup? I think I'm, I'm mostly trying to build balance with the caveat of like, yeah, Justin Jefferson's expensive. So he's a stud that I'm going to try to jam in, but overall, like I'm not trying to play, you know, three or four like pun options. I'm still trying to fit in some of the balance guys, which makes Josh Allen tricky because when you play him, you can't also fit in names like, you know, Jefferson and, we like ETN and Saquon. So I think my preferred lean is to go balanced, but you still need some punts. And we talked about a couple of those guys in, in Kate Otten, Richie James, Zay Jones, you know, for example. Yeah, because once you start adding in Allen, there's a couple of places that you have to sacrifice. One of them might be running back. So as much as we like Leonard Fournette, there's other options that we think are better. You might have to drop down to Jeff Wilson Jr. You know, there's just it's just not great. And then the punt option's a wide receiver. You don't want to punt two of those. So if you're going Richie James and like Michael Gallup, like this just gets really gross when you start getting below like, you know, three and a half K. There's not many great options that we like. So that's where I'm at. I'm kind of more of a balance bill. That's why I like Daniel Jones lineups a little bit more than Josh Allen lineup so far. And then in cash for, for playoffs, do you pay attention to roster percentage for cash? I do not in cash. In tournaments, it's really important. And I just kind of talked about that for the late swap. But yeah, I, I think it's massively important for uh, for tournaments on this slate specifically, again, because of the unique aspect of it where you have information after every game of what just happened. Whereas on Sundays at like one o'clock, 
there are seven games going on. You kind of have to react in real time. We have time to digest the information, look at your lineups, and make sure you can make some appropriate moves to get yourself in a better position to actually have a chance at those top-heavy payouts. And also keep in mind that if you've been using the roster percentage report all year, you have to have a context of what a six-game slate is. So a player that's 30% this week is not that crazy compared to what it was before. Now, when you start getting up to 50%, it's really wild, but it's going to continue to condense when we get to the divisional round or we get to, you know, championship round or Super Bowl. Like, we need to think about percentages a little differently. So if you find a player that's under 10%, I would consider that, that a very, very good play because it can be spread out. At quarterback, it's usually always going to be spread out, but there seems to be two or three guys that are above the rest. Allen, Daniel Jones, and I guess I would put Joe Burrow in that category too. I think he's going to be you know somebody that's rostered a lot too. But let's talk about these games. Stack attack. So we have six games to cover. Usually you and I do about three. So we're going to move a little bit faster talking about these games from a game flow perspective, pace of play, and then are you going to stack this game? And I think you and I, we're looking at this slate from Saturday to Monday. That's how we're playing. You can play just Saturday if you want. We have some contests available for that just Sunday. But we're talking about this in terms of 12 teams. So Christian McCaffrey's a great play, but what does it cost you based on what you can do in the other games? So that's the context that Betts and I will be giving. The first game, Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are 9.5-point home favorites. The over-under is 42.5. And we possibly could have some rain and winds that take this game in a different direction. We know the 49ers are elite, especially at home. They're 8-1 at home, 7-2 against the spread at home. And since 2010, if you are a road playoff underdog of more than 10 points, which is what we're going to call this, about 10 points, they're 2-11, 2-11 against the spread. So everything says we should like the 49ers in this game, but for DFS tournament purposes, are they essential? I don't think the Seahawks are essential at all, honestly. And to be honest with you, I think this, the Niners roll here. This is also a game where you look at the total. It's 42 and a half. All of the points from a Vegas perspective, they're projecting for San Francisco. 26 points is their team total as of this recording. is the second highest on the slate. So I think the Niners are really interesting because they have one of the most efficient offenses in football. When you th- think about how they run the ball, how they create big plays with their running game, and using kind of their running backs and their short area targets to create explosiveness. The issue is Brock Purdy's attempts line, when it, before we started recording, was 20 and a half minus 145 to the under. So Vegas is telling us they think San Francisco is just going to run all over them. And that creates a game environment that is tough to get excited about when the clock is just ticking, ticking, ticking. You know, uh, the, the Niners, 27th in pace this year, 22nd in pass rate of expectations. So we know what they're going to do. Christian McCaffrey is a great play. Elijah Mitchell, when he's been there, has been productive he's been very efficient so i could just see this game turning into you know like a a 28 to 10 game and you're not that excited about anyone on on seattle so i don't have a lot of interest in stacking gino personally i think chris mccaffrey is a great play and i think some of the wide receivers and pass catchers from san francisco are good contrarian plays but to me cmc is kind of the dude here yeah i think this game will be one that has lower roster percentage because people are afraid of the weather and it's kind of like, I don't know what I have in front of me. There's like a mystery box. And so I think people are going to do the deal or deal, no deal and pass on this game and move on because, yes, San Francisco's offense has been efficient. Since Brock Purdy's been here, 
33 and a half points per game. That's number one in the NFL. But they've been running still at the fifth highest rate. So I think you're going to get what you saw. You're going to get a lot of a lot of uh, rush attempts. I think this game is going to be one that you could see the under. And Seattle is a run funnel defense. So that's how I easily project this game. So if you're playing Christian McCaffrey, is there someone in the Seattle side, one of the receivers that you want to bring it back with? Or is it just like, hey, he's kind of a standalone option in a tournament and I'm just going to move on? I mean, I think you definitely can play the Seattle guys, mostly because looking right now at what I have in the roster percentage report, and this could change, but right now I have both guys projected between 9 and 12%, which on a six-game slate is very, very low. So the field is not very interested in DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. And I think they're interesting upside GPP plays. I would not go there in cash, but I would say one of those two guys makes sense. We know the way to move the football on the Niners, if you're going to do it, is not running the football. Um, and in the losses that they've had, you know, since Ken Walker's come over as the starter, his stat lines in those losses, 10 rushes, 17 yards, 14 rushes, 26 yards against these Niners, 12 for 47. He did have that one good game, 26 for 107 against the Chiefs. So Ken Walker makes sense from a volume standpoint. The matchup is just so, so tough. And again, they're heavy underdogs. So I think the way you play it is you're going to go CMC. And if you did want to play a, a Seattle guy, to me, it's Metcalf or Lockett. I want to bring up George Kittle because he's been on fire recently, especially with Brock Purdy. Seattle is the best matchup for tight ends. The problem is we're getting a George Kittle that is priced up, right? Like he's he's so expensive on FanDuel at 7700 So you're basically saying, do I get a touchdown from Kittle on this slate or do I need to move on? With Debo coming in, is it one of those things where you're like, I'm going to let everyone else chase those Kittle statistics or is Kittle the player that you say I would rather roster him and hopefully I get you know a touchdown instead of it going to CMC yeah it's this one's so tough because all the production that he's had has been without Debo in the lineup when you look at his splits over the last couple of years with and without Debo it's very obvious Kittle is the biggest beneficiary and so I could see the argument both ways and you say okay look like Debo is back in the lineup Kittle's an easy fade but the field is thinking that, and he's coming in right now at less than 10%. So I think the, he's an interesting large field tournament play. You hope he goes you know, for 80 yards and two touchdowns and no other tight end does anything on the slate. That's interesting to me. But I think when you're thinking about the most likely range of outcomes is that we see the Kittle ceiling drop down quite a bit based off what we've seen without Debo in the lineup. And the last thing I'll say, I, I kind of organize in the DFS pass each game by our game pace score. One through five, five being an absolute barn burner, one being stay away. This game's more like a three to maybe a two and a half when you think about the weather and you factor that in. So it's a game I'll be underweight on, and I will take the 49ers minus nine and a half. I will as well. All right, next game on Saturday evening, Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chargers are two-point road favorites. This line's been moving a little bit back and forth, and the over-under is 47 and a half. This is a rematch from week three, which I think shocked a lot of people in the NFL. It shocked me as a Chargers truther, sipping the Kool-Aid the rest of my life for the Chargers. Jacksonville won 38-10. to Herbert got injured. Keenan had a hamstring issue. Uh, there was a lot of different things that just go, wow, is this what the Jaguars are? And then we kind of got to see down the stretch, like this is an offense you can buy into. Both of these teams have offenses that are up in terms of pass rate up in terms of pace and defenses that give up big plays. So this is a good game environment. It's one of those where I would say like, Hey, you can kind of bet on a back and forth and the total 47 and a half 
the context of the slate, there's no 50-point game. So this is a good total we're working with. Where do you want to start from a stacking perspective? Yeah, the other thing, too, with this one, you know, warmer weather tends to lead to more passing, more efficient passing. It's obviously in Florida. Uh, good news there. I think the best way to talk about this is kind of how you handle the Justin Herbert situation with Mike Williams either out or limited. I mean, hasn't practiced yet this week. I'm looking for news on him as our show goes on, so hopefully we get that. But by the time we have the DFS Pass content up and by the time you're setting your lineup Saturday morning, we'll obviously know what the status is for Mike Williams and he's dealing with the back injury. I think Mike Williams matters. Like I think he matters a little bit for Justin Herbert's ceiling. That said, you know, he's got his guys. He's got Eckler. He's got Keenan Allen, who honestly has been the catalyst for this team. Since Keenan returned, the Chargers are fourth in pass rate over expectation. They are third in explosive pass rate. So he's been incredible. Jacksonville's defense, 30th in pass defense DVOA. So the way that you move the ball on Jacksonville is to throw. And that's what the Chargers want to do. So I do have an interest in Justin Herbert's stacks. I think you can play him with Keenan and Eckler. I think you can play him with Keenan Josh Palmer if if Mike Williams is out. So what are your thoughts on Justin Herbert in this spot? I think it's a really good one for him. We might be talking about him a little bit later. Oh, 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 hey now. All right. Yeah, it's interesting because the quarterbacks on this slate are like, you know, absolute gunslingers. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and yet Justin Herbert is kind of getting lost in the mix. And I think Keenan Allen's going to be a safe play. But Justin Herbert's shown that he's somebody you can stack with Austin Eckler. And if you wanted to get off Keenan Allen and add another piece, I'm totally fine with that. We're still waiting on Mike Williams. But I love Justin Herbert. I think he can actually end up as the quarterback one on this slate, knowing they just give up in the second half trying to run the ball. That's like what I love about the Chargers is you can just bank on Justin Herbert being a player that you just throw nonstop. They have the highest pass rate when trailing and the second highest when leading in the second half. So that's something you can bank on. You know you're going to get 40-plus attempts probably from Herbert. So I love them. I love double-stacking Chargers, and I think they're going to come in a little bit lower. My issue is that the two running backs in this game I think are the best medium plays and can't I we got a question actually on discord can you play these two running backs together in the same game that's usually something we don't do but I like both of them in this spot I think you can uh, mostly because when you're playing Travis Etienne you're playing the game as if it's staying close he's not getting game scripted out he's getting 15 plus carries in an incredible matchup and so you're saying he has success maybe he rips off some long runs which the Chargers give up and, you know, the Chargers want to throw. So they're throwing to Austin Eckler. They're throwing the ball at a high rate that I think you're including Eckler to me in that scenario specifically as a stacking partner with Justin Herbert, which I have a lot more interest in doing if Mike Williams is out. Because when you look at the splits with and without Mike Williams, um, it's incredible for Eckler from a receiving volume standpoint. He averaged 10.5 targets per game compared to just 6.5 with Williams on the field uh, this year. So, I think he's interesting in that spot. And I think, again, on the six-game slate or if you're playing just the Saturday two-game slate, if you exclude those rules, you know, can't play two running backs together on the same game, you're going to miss out on some really good plays. So I think it is okay to do in this specific scenario. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence, so on DraftKings, he's only 5.7. Like, it's it's kind of ridiculous where they priced him. Is he a, Is he a candidate where you could say, hey, you're getting a monster game like we've seen in the past? I mean, they put up 38 on the Chargers. And you can double stack him instead. Like, I feel like you could do it with either of these quarterbacks. So there's just a lot of options where you can say, Lawrence, I probably wouldn't stack it with ETN, but like Kirk and Ingram or Jones and Ingram, like feels very, very easy to do. 
Yeah, and looking at what I have right now for the roster percentages on DraftKings, the field is going to play Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, and Kirk Cousins as the three highest guys. These two are coming in below 10%. And for quarterback, that's not a huge thing. But when you look at their pass catchers, you know that means that they won't get elevated at an insane rate. Like Everyone's playing the Giants wide receivers because of the matchup. Daniel Jones projects well. So this is one that I think is a very interesting game stack where you can get a lot of leverage by stacking either Herbert or uh, Trevor Lawrence. I do think Trevor Lawrence is a really good GPP play with stacking two of his guys as direct leverage off of Travis Etienne. And don't hear what we're not saying. Travis Etienne is a great play. But let's say he goes 85 yards, catches two balls, doesn't get in the end zone. Like That's a pretty hollow stat line. We saw that a couple weeks ago. If you played Brian Robinson in cash, you felt that. He had a great game on the ground, but didn't get there from a DFS perspective. So that, to me, is a good way to create leverage on the slate is saying, I'm going to play Trevor Lawrence you know, with two of Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. Last little thought. If Mike Williams is out, do you think Josh Palmer is going to get a boost in roster percentage? Oh, big time, for sure. Okay. I I, I think he's I think he's a fine play, um, but yeah, I can just see that getting boosted. I will take the Chargers minus two. I will as well. All right. Let's move to Sunday. We're going to move a little quicker because uh, this game is kind of sad, honestly. Uh, Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Bills are 13-point home favorites. That gives the Dolphins a lowly team implied total of only 15 which feels like like that's what you assign the Broncos or you assign the Colts during the regular season but this is a playoff team with Skylar Thompson and it just doesn't feel great we have seen Skylar Thompson start two full games this year the team scored two total offensive touchdowns and he was pressured on 45 percent of his dropbacks as the highest in the NFL in those two games so play your Bills defense in cash and Man, is it just Josh Allen on slot stacks and you're saying Josh Allen digs and you can add another piece if you want? Yeah, I mean, the way that they're going to move the ball in Miami is through the air and that's how you do it, right? Like that's what Buffalo mostly wants to do. That's how Miami is beat is is through the secondary. They give up some big plays. They're really good run defense. And the, the tricky thing with the Bill side is like if you did want to be a really contrarian guy and go Singletary or James Cook. The issue is they're basically splitting 50-50. And last week, after Devin Singletary fumbled, James Cook got a lot, a lot more of the work. So we don't really know how to project it. The veteran could get some. The rookie could get some. It's tough to see a ceiling. That said, the second guy that you could stack Josh Allen with is a way to get different in this in this spot. We know Diggs is a great play. You should stack him. But the field, every week we say it, you can stack Gabe Davis. A zero is not surprising. But the guy that I'm kind of interested in is Dawson Knox. Uh, given that he just played these Dolphins a few weeks ago. This is actually the Arizona game. I was there visiting, watching you, watching this game with you. Six for 98 and one for Dawson Knox in that game. We know Miami has been destroyed by tight ends all season. So my preferred route is to go uh, is to go Josh Allen, Steph Diggs, Dawson Knox. I don't think you need one on the Dolphins. Let me give you a hot stat with Josh Allen. He's played the Dolphins 10 times in his career. He has 27 passing touchdowns. And this is the part that I feel really smart saying. He's averaging seven and a half rushing fantasy points per game against them. That is a crazy floor for a quarterback that we know is up in pass rate that, you know, you're going to see him throw the ball 35 plus times. Like it's pretty amazing that you also get that added in. He's not a real quarterback at all. So we love Josh Allen quickly on the Miami side. We're not playing Mike Gesicki because he's barely in the league anymore. And he got stuck in an elevator this past week. <laughs> uh, I'm not playing the running backs. That actually backs. happened, by the way. I know. <laughs> uh, I I'm only playing Tyreek if I'm bringing if I'm having to bring back. That's it. 
Yeah, Waddle's interesting just because like the price is p- pretty appealing, but he's actually been dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue for the last couple of weeks. So I'm not, not saying he won't play. He's going to play. It's just how can you get excited about Skylar Thompson's pass catchers based off what we've seen? Now they go on the road. You know, the splits for the offense with and without Teron Armstead in the lineup, their left tackle, are massive. He's still not practicing this week. So we need to see if he's even there to give this team a chance to protect themselves against the, the Bills defense. It's just... Yeah, Tyree Kill's a good contrarian GPP play. You hope he breaks a long one. Um, outside of that, I'm, I'm not really playing anyone. I guess the only conversation we really got to have is like, if Raheem Mostert is rolled out with a thumb injury, are you going to go with Jeff Wilson, who's going to project, I, I won't say well, but pretty pretty good <laughs> because of the volume at 5,400 on DraftKings? I'm not. I Like last week, they were even willing to use Salvin Ahmed at the very end. Who uh, I just... There's nothing that says you're going to get any efficiency. Now, Mostert did run really well against the Bills in that snow game, but I just I just think you can go elsewhere. I know that he's cheap. I'd rather have Leonard Fournette around the same price. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a he would be a candidate that would get really popular, but I would want to fade in tournaments. Yes, definitely. In terms of Vegas, I will take the under. Uh, I think that's a really another way you could do it is if you just say Miami's not going to hit their team applied total. But I think the under is an easier way to to be able to say that. I agree. I think the under is in play, but it's not because we don't like the Bills. It's just it's tough to see the the Dolphins helping it get there. All right, next game is one that we've seen recently. This was a rematch from Week 16. New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are three point home favorites. The over under is 48 and a half. Minnesota home games this year are averaging 52 combined points. That's behind the Lions only. So we like games that are played in Minnesota in a dome, controlled environment. It was a great game. It was a one-score game. Greg Joseph hit that 61-yarder. Uh, I can't remember if he was the boom-boom that week, but uh, <laughs> he's one of the boom-boom. I, oh, been. no, he wasn't because earlier in the season, we rhymed boom-boom Brosif with Greg Joseph. Uh, How could you forget? I know. So we like both these teams. They're ranked top 10 in seconds per play. Minnesota is an offense that Kevin O'Connell said at the beginning of the year, we're going to throw the ball more. And we're seeing it. Like, we're seeing this team. They're six in pass rate over expectation. The Giants are kind of hard to figure out. The beginning of the year was just, let's just keep running Saquon Barkley over and over and over again. They had the fourth highest rush rate in the first 10 weeks. And they won a bunch of close games. But in the second half, they've had to kind of adjust. And we've seen their passing volume kind of go up. Daniel Jones, over the last eight weeks, 37.6 pass attempts per game. So, I like that. Getting Daniel Jones, who's like... He's not diet Josh Allen. He, he he's but he's a similar player where you're going to get the rushing yardage and now we're getting volume from a player that looks kind of goofy when they run a little bit, but it's what it is. So Daniel Jones, I think he's in a good spot. He's in a good spot for cash, but is he too popular to stack? <laughs> I kind of like diet diet Josh Allen for, for Daniel Jones. Let's let's see if we can make that a thing. Um I don't think he's too popular to play in tournaments because he does project extremely well. Last time we saw them, you know, play, he had one of his best games of the year. So it's not like he's a bad play. It's just that if you are going to play him, you need to understand your the rest of your roster cannot be, you know, super popular. Like you can't play, in my opinion, a Daniel Jones stack with Richie James and let's pretend Isaiah Hodgins and then also say like I'm also going to play Steph Diggs and the Bills defense. And you know, you have to think about how you're getting different. Another candidate to, to think about that is Travis Etienne, very popular. So I'm not saying he's a bad play. I'm just saying you need to be able to consider 
if you are going to play him, what is your cumulative roster percentage? Because you still have to create leverage to get success in these tournaments. So we think he's a great play. It's just, you know, warning everyone, he will be very popular. Yeah. The wide receivers, I'm still having a hard time because I could make a case for all three of them. Minnesota is... They're so cheap, though. That's the thing. They are cheap, but, like, do you have confidence in saying this will be the guy that that, uh, scores the most between those three? No, I have zero confidence in any three of these guys being the one, but I think someone will have a good game. You labeled them earlier as... uh, The Nasty Boys. The Nasty Boys. (laughs) The Nasty Boys showing up to Minnesota here for this game. Yeah. It's um I mean it's a great matchup. Minnesota's allowed the most yards to wide receivers this year. So I think someone, like we said, is having success. And I'm hoping to be able to find in the roster presentation report who's gonna go overlooked and you know, take my shot there. So on the Minnesota side, Kirk Cousins at home is something that we've chased all year long. Is it just a Kirk Cousin double stack and then you figure out the wide receiver on the Giants side to bring back? I mean, I love Dalvin in this spot. I mean, everything says that this is an eruption spot. The Giants are 31st in EPA per rush attempt, 31st in explosive rush rate, and dead last in rush DVOA, according to Football Outsiders. Like, I feel like this sets up pretty well as like Kirk Cousin double stacks are going to be common, but to gain leverage, you play somebody like Dalvin. That's what you should do. That's what the paper, the math says. But they have been terrible at running the football. I don't know why. They just like have not been good at doing it. And Dalvin's efficiency metrics, excuse me, have been among the worst in football when you look at running backs. So it's a small slate. We throw that stuff out the window mostly in saying like, look, we know Dalvin can have a ceiling game any week. If the field wants to overlook him and only play Jefferson and Hawkinson and, and double stack him and not include him, then yeah, I'm happy to play a Daniel Jones stack and bring it back with Dalvin or vice versa. Skip the pass catcher, skip Daniel Jones, stack Kirk, and then bring it back with Saquon, who we know has a massive ceiling. So do you have a certain lean? Like I, I like the Giants. I think that the Vikings have ran pretty hot in one-score games. They were that game was pretty close when they played earlier in the year. Like I, I like the Giants plus three. The the scary thing about that is I do too, and there's so much public money right now on Giants plus three, but the line is just not moving. What so, could go wrong? What could go wrong? In Brian Dable, we trust. Yeah, I I think it's man. I think it's a game where you're saying the over is totally possible, but things have broke right for the Vikings so often that I could see them having a letdown at home, especially in the playoffs. But yeah, right now I would take the over and I would take the Giants plus three. Next game, we got two more. This one, these next two are probably going to go a little faster, but it's Baltimore at this Cincinnati. one. We can, we can breeze through. Good. We should, because we've seen these two teams play. And one of these two teams isn't actually fully an NFL team without Lamar Jackson. Let's just call it that. Like this is the JV version of our Ravens who, once again, they hit their total. That's all we cared about this year, right? We, we can abandon them now. Yeah, now we don't want anything to do with them. It's it's pretty pretty clear. Cincinnati ended the season on an eight-game winning streak. They were 7-0-1 against the spread. They're eight-and-a-half-point home favorites, and the over-under is now at 40-and-a-half. So it's just a gross game. On the Ravens' side, I cannot tell you to play anyone else confidently other than Mark Andrews. Don't I just can't do it. I don't even think you can say that confidently. He's Mark Truthfully. Andrews for 5,200. I, I get it, man. But like, they've just been so bad. And like, since week 14 without Lamar Jackson, Baltimore games are 4-1 to the under. They've hit the over in their games 29% this year. That is so, so bad. This total is dropping. It was 42.5 early in the week, down to 41.5. Now it's at 40.5. 
without Jackson Lamar or the uh, with with excuse me without Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are averaging 13 points per game. You don't need them in a GPP to win. That's all I want to say about that. There is a scenario where they keep the game close, and earlier in the year, you know they won. Justin Tucker field goal where you just say, "Hey, this is a this is a game where you can just say it's gross, and you don't even need the Bengals side in a giant tournament, and you x this game out from your field." Like I just, I think there's a scenario when you think about their pass rush and how slow they play. The Ravens just play so slow. With Lamar, they were 30th in seconds per play. So when you add in Anthony Brown, Tyler Huntley, whoever else is uh, at quarterback, like it's going to be gross. I'm not playing Joe Mixon in a bad matchup. I think the only plays that I really like is you can play a cheap Hayden Hurst if you want. You can stack Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase and move on. And that's kind of all I'm really looking at. I mean, I guess you could play the Bengals defense. I think the Bengals defense is actually a pretty good play just because when you look at where they're priced, you know, the Bills at 3300 very popular, great cash game play. 49ers, if you want to spend up, 36 uh, 3,600, they're also very popular. But right in the middle, 3,500 for the Bengals. I think it'll go overlooked. We know re- defensive scoring is pretty random. Like It makes sense to take a shot there. I also think if you want to say the game is super ugly, goes under the total, we know the, the Bengals want Joe Burrow to drop back a lot, which we love, but we are overlooking a significant injury. They just lost another offensive lineman on uh, this past week. So two starters down. We know historically Joe Burrow has taken sacks. He's been much better this year, but I think he could do worse. In a tournament, they're just throwing a dart at the Ravens defense and hoping, you know, Burrow fumbles and throws a pick six or something. So just want to point that out. I think we're pretty off the game, but think the defenses are in play. Yeah, the 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 line has moved to now eight and a half. It was at six and a half earlier. It has our lowest game pace score. I just don't feel the need to go there. Like, yes, you can get contrarian and cute, but you're asking the Ravens side to actually fight back. And I think this game is a good candidate as the totals drop to uh to go under. And yes, it was great when it was at six and a half. I don't wouldn't hate Cincinnati at eight and a half, um, but we have to wait on the quarterback situation, right? Yep. I'll <laughs> for the sake of what I would like to say that I'm doing, I'm taking Cincinnati minus six and a half. But that line is gone. I actually think if it gets out to nine or like nine and a half, like it's such a low total that I think the Ravens could cover it. But it's a, it's a gross one. All right, last game, Monday Night Football, Dallas at Tampa Bay. Dallas is a two and a half point road favorite the over-under is 45 and the Buccaneers man we trashed them at the end of the year when we just said hey they're not hitting their team implied total it's just not happening this year Uh, I think they hit it three times on the year and against the spread they're 4 12 and 1 so why is everyone so excited about the Bucs well it's because we saw them finally get off to a good game with Mike Evans exploding and because we know they're going to throw the football a ton and Dallas, you know, we've been talking about this. Like, the, the defense is not as good as it was earlier in the year. And maybe that's because Dak Prescott is throwing interceptions literally left and right, like, all the time. And he's putting the defense in a pretty bad spot if they get a short field, you know, that sort of thing. But when you think about how these teams play, the prices that you're getting, Tom Brady is cheap. Playoff Lenny is cheap. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are in the 6K. Like, that's pretty good. Kadon's a good punt play. They really fit builds pretty well, and I think that's why we're seeing a little steam on them. Um, but like I said, the the way that you beat Dallas is through the air. So I have a lot of interest in the the Tampa Bay wide receivers in tournaments. This game is interesting based on what these teams' strengths are and what they want to do in neutral situations. So, like we know that Dallas wants to run the football and pass rate over expectation. They're twenty fifth in the league. 
but they've been efficient with Dak when he's come back. It's just really hard when you think like, okay, Tampa Bay has been a pretty good run defense. Tampa Bay can't run the ball. So you're kind of guessing what the game flow is going to be here. Like if Tampa Bay gets ahead, they're still going to throw the ball. That's just what they do with Tom Brady over and over and over again. They're number one in pace. They're number one in seconds per play, but they haven't been efficient all year long. So it's really hard. Like Tom Brady set the NFL record. I didn't like, I think people don't realize he set the NFL record for completions in a season. He broke his own record, but it almost didn't matter for fantasy because his ADOT was so low. So, I think this game sets up really well knowing what Dallas's strengths are of getting after the quarterback and what Tampa Bay's not good at. They just can't run the ball. So I think you're going to get a lot of Tom Brady pass attempts and you're also getting a lot of opportunities for turnovers. The question is, can he hit one of those long bombs? And Dallas has been pretty good at limiting big plays all year long. So if you're going to stack Brady, who's cheap, it's... Just what we always do, you double stack him because he doesn't run the ball? Is that is that what you're doing? I think you have to. I mean, 5800 is a good price for someone like Tom Brady. But when you consider who he's priced around, you know, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, like those kind of guys, even we like, you know, Justin Herbert to go up a little bit. We like Trevor Lawrence. Like, to me, Tom Brady is kind of a cut below all those guys on the slate personally. That said, I do have interest in his guys. So one of my favorite ways to play this is because the Bucks' run defense has been so good. Dallas's run defense has been very good. These are two in the last six weeks past funnel defenses. So I love a mini stack of CeeDee Lamb and Mike Evans or CeeDee Lamb and Chris Goblin, something like that. I don't have a ton of interest in Tom Brady. I just I think there's ways that he get, can be okay for his guys, but not really give you what you need when you consider the rushing upside of Josh Allen, Daniel Jones on the slate. Yeah, there, there are some players that are tempting. Like, Michael Gallup is so tempting at 3,700. He's running enough routes, but, you know, he's being targeted on, like, 11% of his routes. Like, they just don't care about throwing him the ball that much. Big cardio guy. Yeah, he's on the all-cardio team. CeeDee Lamb is just a strong play. I think he's going to show up strong in our projections, but I wouldn't say, like, elite. You have to play him. Um, so, yeah, I don't mind correlating that. I don't mind double-stacking Brady if you want to get different. But this game just feels like it's going to be one of those that you know what the teams are good at and you know what the team defenses are really good at. And I feel like it's, it's mostly a stalemate. So I like the line. I don't mind it at all. Um, and I, the fact that the public is just totally coming in and saying, hey, I, I think the Buccaneers are going to take care of business at home makes me say, I like the Cowboys. Yeah, it's a good line. I don't have a great feel for it. I actually think the unders in play. I... We did our office pool. Did you see who I took from the NFC side? No, I haven't looked. Took the Cowboys. All right. It's kind of right. it was kind of a ballsier pick compared to you know, I, I I'm sure you didn't take the Eagles. No, I actually took the Niners. Wow, I'm proud of you for doing that. And you're not a homer guy. You're not gonna you're not gonna do that. Um, no, I took the Chiefs to win though. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Who'd you take? <laughs> the Bills. Nice. All right, let's talk about our props. And, uh, oh, wait. I would be remiss if I didn't finish off this with our slate breakers. What an idiot I am. Just, just, uh, just stone Such cold. Such a rookie. Stone cold dummy. Um, I don't actually have a slate breaker, uh, off the top of my head because, uh, apparently in off season, they're just. Because you forgot about it? <laughs> no, no, they're just not renewing because fantasy football is over. Uh, let's just do, uh, have we done starter jackets before? No, but that's a good one. Man, I I feel like somebody's going to say, like, no, you guys have done that before. Because uh, I feel like I've talked about... Maybe two years ago we did. The Charlotte Hornets <laughs> starter jacket. 
All right, who cares? They're always made up anyways. We have a pair of Chargers. What could go wrong about our slate breakers this week? You go first. I love Keenan Allen, man. I mean, this spot looks incredible for him. There's so many angles where it could go right. Looking at what the Jags do on defense, they're terrible in pass defense, 30th in DVOA, but they're 29th in DVOA specifically to opposing slot wide receivers. We just saw huge games in the last you know month and a half to guys that profile very similar to Keenan Allen's skill set. CeeDee Lamb roasted them a few weeks ago. Amon Ross St. Brown had his best game of the season against the Jaguars earlier this year. I think Keenan sees a, a ton of volume, 10.7 targets since week 12, since he's been healthy. Jacksonville, meanwhile, allowing the sixth most slot uh, PPR points to wide receivers this year. Mike Williams is the key, though. Like if, if Williams is out, my worry is that he gets very, very popular. I think he's still an incredible play. But right now, looking at the roster percentage report, he's pricey on Fandle and doesn't project as well because he's a, a quote-unquote PPR guy. But if you're going to get Keenan Allen at 10% on Fandle, Ooh, baby, that sounds pretty encouraging. I'm going to pair him with Justin Herbert. Since week 10, both of those teams, Jacksonville and Los Angeles, are top five in pass rate over expectation. So you're going to get a game where things could go crazy. And in that span, the Chargers have the highest pass rate when trailing in the second half and the second highest when leading, like I mentioned earlier. I think he's going to fly under the radar. People are going to be playing Josh Allen. They're going to be playing Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. And they're just not going to click the button on Justin Herbert. If you take out two outlier games, so let's just say, hey, you know what, the Jaguars... They happen to play two games against, I don't know, Chris Strevler and Joshua Dobbs, two guys that will not be in the league probably next year. If you take out those two games, they rank 28th in passing yards per game allowed and 30th in pass to VOA. I think Justin Herbert is going to have the volume you want. So I guess we're saying you got to charge your stack, and that's how people are going to win the Millie. What could go wrong, Kyle? We've we've never lost money on the Chargers before, so why stop, <laughs> why, why stop doing so that now? so much money on the Chargers. <laughs> so much money on the Chargers. But so have I. I'm back again. All right, let's prop it up. Prop it like it's hot. If you want to get our props, they're in the DFS Pass. They're for free now. If you want to go to DFSPass.com, we're going to hit you with two quick props that Betts and I took, and uh, hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll be just gravy. Uh, I took Geno Smith over 15 and a half rushing yards. I felt pretty good about it. That number is too low. He's been hitting this almost weekly. He has 16 plus rushing yards in five straight games and nine of his last 10. And it's going to be a negative game script. It's going to be one where you can go, Hey, you know what? They're going to need him to throw a bunch, which opens up opportunities. So Geno Smith over 15 and a half rushing yards. I'm sure that's probably moved by now. Yeah, he's sixth among quarterbacks in scramble yards this year. So that is how he's getting these rushing yards. And I agree with you. That will happen in the same game. We talked about Christian McCaffrey. He's going to run all over this team. But Elijah Mitchell, very quietly, is also getting the job done when he's been in there, which is not often this year. But when he's in there, he is hitting this mark easily. His four games that he's played, and these are with Christian McCaffrey, 89 rushing yards, 59 rushing yards, 35. He got injured in that game and 55. So he's been sailing over this mark easily. It's 36 and a half on most books. I would take the over at minus 120. All right. We got one more segment for us, and here it is. Bets, it was a long, long DFS season. Long year, really. And we wanted to kind of recap, give our end-of-season awards for things we talked about in best ball, season-long bets, DFS. So if you got to ride with us this year, um, hopefully – Hopefully your bankroll is a little bit bigger. Hopefully you've had some fun. You found some friends in the DFS Discord. But we kind of wanted to recap. I get it's a longer episode, uh, but I thought this was a chance for the people to kind of hear, you know, just where where we've been this year. So 
We're going to give some categories, and then Betts and I are going to quickly go back and forth. We can riff on each other. Some of them have some great sponsors, by the way, including this first one. The worst season-long bet that you took this year. I call this the Teddy Two Gloves Charity Award because one year I bet on Teddy Bridgewater to win the MVP. <laughs> I was just giving that money away to charity. <laughs> yep, that one for me this year. You know, it, Take your L. Juju Smith-Schuster, <laughs> I took to lead the league in receptions. Thought maybe bounce back year, best quarterback he's ever played with. The Chiefs throw the ball at the highest rate in football. Uh, trust the process, they said, Kyle. The results did not work out. You know, the process is, always feels great as you're going through it. I took one bet of uh, Cortland Sutton to lead the league in touchdowns. <laughs> he did not. He only had two. And woo, that's how you light your money on fire. But at the time... It was like, Russ is here, things could trend, he's a big body receiver, I could see double digits, didn't happen. But It's so funny what you think you know in the summer. Oh, we knew it then. We knew, like, this is a great bet. <laughs> we, you know what we probably told the people? We probably told the people, this what? is a good value bet. That's verbatim, I think that's what we said. <laughs> Which means, hey, you might lose money, but at the time, it sounds good. All right, next one, the best season-long bet that you had this year. The Vikings, man. Justin Jefferson to an offensive player of the year. It looks like it is going to happen. We got that heavily juiced, and hopefully if you put a little on that, you win a lot. Yeah, and the Vikings to win the North was at plus 300 when we took it. That one felt so good that that was wrapped up early, and we were pretty confident this team, their schedule. When you and I talk through season-long bets and season-long win totals, we look at the schedule, and we say, hey, this is a second-place schedule, so here's who they're matched up with, and here's how the Packers could struggle. And so you were you were even more bullish than me about being down on the Packers this year, and I think we just correlated those two together and said, hey, Vikings doing the North. There's a ton of value, and that line moved. So that was a good one. Next one we have, I call it the worst ball player of the year, the highest exposure players that you aren't proud of from best ball. Man, if you told me Daniel Jones is going to be a part of league winning weeks in week 17 i would have felt so smart in the summer taking Kadarius tony which i did over and over and over again <laughs> did not know he would not play because of his hamstring all year or get traded to the Chiefs. so that was a, a mistake and absolutely horrible the other one was melvin gordon who i took a lot because i said you look you know this offense is going to be good we think if javante williams gets injured which he did melvin gordon can step right in i didn't realize he and the team ended up hating each other and, oh, also get <laughs> let go and picked up by the Chiefs. So the Chiefs have ruined my best ball season, Kyle. Yeah, I Russell Wilson I'm not proud of considering how bad it was. I will say that he was the most bet player for MVP in the league. Like, Oh, the books cleaned up on him. The man. books did very well on Russell Wilson and against me. So uh, not great. I did have a couple teams that advanced with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Uh, Michael Pittman. I had a lot of Michael Pittman. If you had told me you would have had 96 receptions, I'd go, sweet. Michael Pittman killed it this year and only a couple touchdowns. And then the one that doesn't look terrible, but Dalvin Cook ended up being one of my highest exposure running backs. He never gave you the boom games that you wanted. And so him finishing at like running back eight doesn't actually help you. I needed uh, some of those. And so if you told me Dalvin Cook didn't get hurt, you can have a whole year and he ends up as that, that was definitely painful, painful. All right, give me your best ball shining star, the highest exposure players that you're proud of. I mean, I'm I'm proud of my man Amon Ra just in the first couple months of the season just being the dude. He did fall off late, which really hurt. 
But the one that I'm really excited about and I felt felt really good about was Ramondre Stevenson. I think we were both, you know, by the end of the summer, like this is a great value in the ninth, tenth, early in the summer. You could get him in the eleventh round. That was incredible. Um, you got some injury luck. Things broke right for Damian Harris to get injured and you know step away. But Ramondre to me was my highest exposure running back and was an awesome player this year. I was pretty proud of having Justin Fields as my highest exposure quarterback. Obviously, it wasn't good to start the year, uh, but man, you got some awesome peak weeks that really helped. So he was clearly a best ball win rate player where like he was going next to like Derek Carr. Like it's just one of those things where like, hey, you get somebody with upside. And then two other wide receivers, Chris Olave was one of my highest exposure wide receivers that I just was bullish on and he had some spike weeks. And then one that surprised me, Tyreek Hill ended up being a top five guy that at that two, three turn, which is where he was going. I just kept taking him, hoping that I get the spike weeks. I didn't think he would get the amount of receptions he did. But so I was pretty proud of having Tyree Kill being a pretty high player that, you know, changed the situation, but I just kept taking over and over and over again. Next award, the straight cash homie award. So which player showed up the most in your cash lineups this year? Yeah, it's funny because every week we'd say, hey, look, you know, you're going to get from Amon Ross St. Brown, nine to 11 targets. You're hoping for six or seven catches, 80 to 90 yards on DraftKings. That's perfect. And we would just move on every week. So <laughs> Amon Ra showed up a ton, especially when the Lions were playing at home. I have Ramondre Stevenson and Garrett Wilson, two players that I just felt like I kept coming back to. Ramondre just had guaranteed volume over and over and over again. Didn't work out at the end of the year. The Dart Throw of the Year Award, formerly known as the Chase Claypool Award for possibly the best dart throw I will ever give, a four-touchdown game from someone at under half a percent. But uh, who is your dart throw of the year? Let's think back, Kyle, to week five in the NFL, okay? It's October. Starting to get a little chilly if you're uh, if you're out here on the East Coast where I am, and it's football weather, and I put on my you know football guy hat and I said, okay, the Titans are giving up a ton of deep passes. Deami Brown is a guy running a ton of deep routes. He might get a couple targets. Let's see what happens. <laughs> the dude went two catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. That was 73 percent of his entire yards this season happened in week five but fortunately he was in the dfs pass for our subscribers one of our dart throats we had in there was Dante foreman against my falcons in week eight he went 26 for 118 and three that was one of those that really he hadn't done that was it. before it was it was cool before it was cool and also before he let you down but it's rare to call someone a great gpp running back play but he's been all boomer bust the entire year but uh that was one of the better ones this year the next one it's the punt tight end of the year award. Last year's winner, Dan Arnold, was somebody that we just talked about all the time. Like, hey, you can punt him off. Who cares? This year. The postman. The postman knows. Uh, the nominees this year were a lot. There were some dudes that were in the group. So let me just remind you, Bets, of some of the punt tight ends that were talked about on this podcast. Greg D. Who could forget? Greg Dulcich. Foster Moreau. Beautiful man. Daniel Bellinger. Gained some steam at the end. Cade Otten. And Tyler Conklin, all players that basically on DraftKings hung out around 3K or less. But it was very clear. The player that we talked about by far the most as the punt tight end of the year was your boy Foster Moreau. Foster, what a guy, dude. What a guy. If you need three for 30, Foster Moreau is your dude. If you need four for 50, do not play Foster Moreau. It will not happen. Three for 30, lock him in at 2.9K. That's what we did every week. I feel like he saved us, though, one week where he caught that touchdown. I think they went to overtime after that. Yeah, that I forget when that was like maybe six, seven weeks ago, something like that. That was against Seattle. That was a uh, that was a good sweat for sure. All right, got a couple more awards here. This one's called the "If You Just Would Have Listened to Me" award. So, bets, give me something 
that if I just would have listened to you, things would have gone so much better. We hit on the reminder Stevens thing. I, I was way, I think, more bullish yes. on him than you. You should have just listened to me, dude. I mean, come on. But the one that I really want to hit on recently, if we talked about this in week 18, you said, look, man, Gibson's on IR. Brian Robinson's out. Jonathan Williams is going to get volume against Dallas. And I said, it's Jonathan Williams. He's been in the NFL for years. He's almost 29 years old. This team is not going to give him the ball the way you think they are. And you said, I don't know, man. He's cheap. I'm going to play him. And then you got shamed <laughs> on the DraftKings lineup. So you should have listened to me, man. You shouldn't have played Jonathan Williams. Staying in the same vein, let's talk about Washington. I know that you have some aversions to Carson Wentz. And I understand you have some long-term, I don't know, just pain and trauma. But the Washington over. Lots of it. Washington over was one of the early bets that I had in the year. Seven and a half wins. And it was looking so good until about like four weeks left and they kept losing. But never a doubt. Sam Howell came in. They got to eight wins. I wish you would have listened to me. <laughs> it's so funny. Just for listeners to peek behind the curtain here. Uh, Kyle didn't realize the bet cashed until like two <laughs> or three days after <laughs> after they won. He's like, wait, Washington won. My bet hit. He was so excited. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't actually have that one, so I should have. That was totally a schedule thing. I guess where I walked through their schedule, you and I looked at it. I thought the line was too low. The line actually moved from seven and a half up to eight and eight and a half. So that made me feel even better. And when they got to seven wins with about a month left, I was like, oh, they're going to do it. I had to sweat it out until the last week. And then I forgot. All right. Next award. The reverse of this. If I just would have listened to you award. So bets, tell me the thing that, man, I wish I would have listened to you, Kyle. There's a, there's a quote on this show that has come out many times. He said, if, if this player beats me, he beats me. I'm going to take my L. Russell Wilson, <laughs> week 14, said, Betts, you silly, silly man. The quarterback three in season-long leagues that week, 26 DraftKings points. He was $5,100. He was 2.8% rostered in the million. You said, it's not a bad play. I think he's a really good play. And I said, I'm not going to do it. Russell Wilson won a lot of people some money that week. You know, at the beginning of the year, I was pretty bullish on Russ. And that, if I could get one of those in... That was a good feeling because, yeah, a lot of people didn't want to play him. I wrote him up that week, and that was a good feeling. He could have gone for even more, and he got hurt and concussed. So, yeah, that was a great call. I'm just going to say it. I wish I was more on board with the Monroe and the Lions in general. Cause, Victory! Because I was... Finally, he said it, people. He finally said it. I'm a stubborn dude, and I'm stubborn when I see, you know, an offense is like, ah, oh, this is going to keep up. Nope. The Lions were a thing at home the entire year. Now, on the road, we can kind of poke holes and stuff. Uh, but yes, wish I would have listened to you more about the Lions getting to eight wins, right? Nine wins? Uh, Nine, I think, actually. Yeah, nine and eight. Didn't make the playoffs. All right, our Slate Breaker Sponsor of the Year Award. This is presented by the N64 Rumble Pack, for those who did that. Uh, the one that I got the most feedback <laughs> and the one that I talked about today on Twitter is Jinko Jeans because they are still a Elite. thing, and I did some research I just don't want to pay $200 for them. But I was very tempted to click the button just for the show. But Jinko Jeans was the sponsor that people wanted to comment about the most. They're $200? Yes. Wow. Like, not even... Well, that's a I can't, tax write-off. Tax, tax write-off, dude. We need it for the show. I can't just... Like, it's one thing to be like, oh, this is a fun gag gift. I could do... Like, no, I, I will not spend $200 on a gag gift. That's not me. Can't do it. All right. If I win some money this weekend, Kyle, I'll buy you a pair. All right. <laughs> I need to hear that. But... We have one more award, and by far, this is the one that I think about the most. It's what our podcast is about the most. This is the Mike Glennon Memorial Award. Who is the worst player in cash that you recommended for DFS this year? 
do you remember when Matt Ryan was benched and we said, oh, Sam Ellinger is 4K. I was out that week. He's going to be the dude. Yeah, that's right. It was me and I think Jason. Yes. And I was like, how, how bad could it be? He's 4K. You know, the field's going to play him. Just do it. We know now, in hindsight, how bad it can be with Sam Ellinger. <laughs> I, I, it, it was bad. It was really bad to the point where like, hey, we're going to go with some other options. We said you're going to be the quarterback the rest of the year, but like, sorry, uh, we're not going to do that anymore. They're a train wreck. I am not proud of it, but there was a week where I said, you got to play Justin Watson in cash. <laughs> he is the punt play of the week. He's running the most routes for Kansas City. Clearly on the field, he's a cardio guy. I've also always had a soft spot for Justin Watson because I took him in a dynasty startup with my last pick one year, and Jason was so mad at me because that's who he wanted. But Justin Watson, I think, did he goose that week? It wasn't good. I don't know what it was, but it was not pretty. One or two points. It was it was pretty bad. But, yeah, you know, I feel like these will never be Glennon, and that's what matters is that this will always be the Glennon Award. He's our king. He is our dude. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg Plus Bets. We have a contest for this weekend. One's for Saturday. One's for Sunday. I just opened up another one that's called the $5 Wild Card. So those will be some fun ones if you want to play with us. But go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us. Bets, we went long, but talk to the people. Yeah, dude, what a fun episode. It was really good to put some closure on some of our best and worst calls of the year, but hopefully the calls from today's show are the best that we've had to help you win some money on Wildcard Weekend. But enjoy the football. should be really fun. A lot of good games out there, and we'll catch you guys next week for the next round of the playoffs on Friday. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.